Hi. Well, life's a little different now. Dan's married. Yay! 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 And he's in a closet. <laughs> Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Coming up on this episode of Awesome Etiquette, your etiquette questions span topics from birth to death and come from as far away as Ghana. And of course, we'll be giving you all the updates on my and Pooja's wedding, the food, the clothes, the dancing, and of course, all the ceremonies. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio, and in today's special edition, it's also coming to you from Dan's mini honeymoon, which is currently taking place in a closet on Martha's Vineyard. (laughs) And of course, we're proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Your wedding! I know, (laughs) cuz! It happened! It was so much fun! And here we are in the aftermath, not even 24 hours later, really. Not even 24 hours later. Yesterday morning, we were eating puri and rice pudding for breakfast and... And halva, and good for you knowing about puri. Yeah, oh, well, I had three of them. I mean, it was so good. And then the and the, the halva, I love the halva. That was, the, the halva and the rice pudding and the puri, that's all I wanted for breakfast. It was so good. Yum. And the halva, it took me like two rounds before I absolutely fell in love with it. But now it's one of those things where it's like, oh, there's going to be halva. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's a, it's like a wheat. They I asked one of the aunties and she said it's a wheat, it's like crushed, crushed wheat flour with um, sugar and a lot of butter and it's just cooked until it's like really it's it's creamier than cream of wheat it's almost like more liquidy mashed potatoes it's amazing it's, and it's, it's just smooth and creamy sweet. and yet it's firm and holds together oh, <laughs> and it's just lovely dipped on these little fried pillows of deliciousness and if you're a savory sweet person you can put a little bit of those like salty uh, chana <laughs> what was the, the chana was that the beans and the the chickpeas or the beans those little black like those little like mini black chickpeas I like, I so like, good I liked those quite a bit I really like those those things all together were really great um, um so we're now talking about the Sunday brunch yeah I know we're wedding, like going backwards we could probably go on for the rest of the show just to describing the food yeah it was and you also have to understand that the the post side of the family is extremely into their food I mean when you listen to our family get together it's funny how we're talkers and it's funny how quiet the table gets around mealtime when the food is really good and i will definitely say that our table was the quietest at the wedding because the food was so good and i think everyone all i kept hearing was this is the best okra dish i've ever had can you believe this okra dish (laughs) like it was (laughs) unbelievable but let's let's back it up and i figured for the intro part of our show we would talk about sort of the um call it the polish to the wedding, the food, the attire, the the sound of the music and all of that. But then um, in our postscript, we're actually going to focus more on the ceremonies and the actual events of the wedding. I, I, I love the idea. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll go with a, a little bit of um, 
a flash and then and sizzle, and later we'll go with some more substance. I love it. So I want to start with the Sangeet, because one of the first things that was so noticeable to me at the Sangeet, and I really want to get to one of our favorite nine-year-old listeners' um, requests, and that is that she would love a picture of your outfit at the Sangeet. Oh, because we, we can do that. you wore traditional Indian attire to this. I did. So, I wore quarter pajama, which is... Um, uh, it, it can be very simple or it can be more elaborate, but it's uh, uh, very much like a tunic with a Nehru collar, often um, slits on the side that run up about waist high. Mm-hmm. And then you wear uh, almost like what, what, what you might think of as like a pajama pant underneath it. And there's so a, a couple different styles. There's a thin leg style and more sort of a wide leg style. Um, so just we'll absolutely get a picture of that outfit. Let me let me break in for a second here and say that not only was Dan in this outfit. What, how do you pronounce it again? Quarter pajama. Quarter pajama. Yes. Okay. The quarter pajama. But so were his father and his brother, and they both had the shoes that had the kind of curly Q tip on the end. Yes, and, s- and I'm not remembering the word for that as well. To see <laughs> but, the two of them, who are total like you know, these guys all live on the mountain in Vermont. Like to see them in this beautiful Indian attire was such a treat, and everybody, all the men in our family loved who did wear it, loved wearing it. And then what cracked me up though, and and Will, Susan, and I were all joking about this was like, you know, Will showed me how it's got like the pajama pant underneath that's like so comfy and everything. And I was like, oh, Will, you wore red boxers. (laughs) (laughs) And it was great because the tunic covered it so you couldn't see. But it was one of those really funny things where he was like alerted to this thing that us women, I feel like, have dealt with so much more often in their lives, which is when you wear something light on the bottom, you need to have undergarments that match. (laughs) And so it was really, really funny. And I mean, I know men wear light colored pants and light colored shorts, too but they're usually thick enough that it's not a, a question of what your undergarments are colored as. Yeah. So it was a funny realization for, I think, for, I think, your brother. But um, And let's keep going, but I want to interrupt and also yeah. just say that, that um, Lizzie Post looked so glamorous <laughs> at the Sangeet. More oh, than one please. person told me just how absolutely stunning you were in that pink dress. Well, you have to know that. thank you. That's very sweet. You know what I think made it, made my outfit was that I had gotten, and this is, there are pictures of it on my uh, Twitter account, which is at Lizzie A. Post, um, the henna. They had uh, a woman there doing henna for everyone at the Sangeet, and that was, um, first of all, just so wonderful for those of us who who don't have an Indian background to have access to that because it is truthfully so beautiful. I have gotten so many compliments on it in the past couple of days since the wedding, and it just it made me feel so a part of the celebration uh, you know and that was really gorgeous and on top of it you know they you can ask her to do things like in honor of someone that means something to you or something like that and it yeah. was really it was just really beautiful that kind of there are patterns and designs that can kind of have a little bit of special meaning in place for you who who's wearing them and i thought that was really really nice absolutely and, and the w- gal doing it told me that she does more of an Arabic design, Arab design. Okay. And that the um, the Indian designs are more geometric in pattern. Yep. And, and I were, noticed some of those on Pooja's legs. Did it. Yeah. One did them. One did one did the Mendy for Pooj on yes. on Wednesday at the Ganesha Puja, sort of a family prayer that precedes the larger wedding. Event. And what is the Ganesha Puja? Um, happens earlier in the week, just with the bride's family, and it's um, an opportunity for the bride's family to prepare the bride. Oh, um, so and, cool! 
and uh, usually the groom's not involved, sort of because we were doing a more blended ceremony experience. My folks were there, and I was there later in the day, but there were some things that the groom, it really wouldn't have been appropriate for the groom to be there before. Um, but she, she, she has sort of a, hers took hours to apply, and really she, she almost has a full covering up her calves and forearms. My name is hidden in there somewhere. When oh, you talk about so the particular cute. significance, there's there's all kinds of different different well, um, games that you can play with it. And you had one on your hand that had puja written on it. I did. I got a very small one just of puja's name on on, on the on inside the, of your hand. Of my hand, yeah, yeah. It was very cool, very very cool. And it is before. And we should go even take a bigger step back. And, and our audience is just. I, I apologize. You have to indulge us. This is Lizzie's and my first chance to really process. It was. It was so the wedding ourselves. So please just join us in the fun for a little while. <laughs> it was. It's one of those things where Dan and I spend so much time together throughout. Our, I mean, we're together about 40 hours a week or more. And working on this podcast, our our relationship at work is even closer than I think it ever has been. And it was pretty close to begin with. Yeah. Um, so we have all of you to thank for encouraging that. But it was almost hard to not get to, like, have our daily convos that we have, you know, like, in these moments that were these huge moments of your life. And I remember laughing at one point because you finally came and sat down next to me, and I was like, oh, this is it. Dan and I are going to have a minute together. And, man, the groom is never has a minute on his wedding day. It was because amazing. everyone I, flocked to you, and I was like, nope, oh, <laughs> like, this isn't going to be it. This I, won't be the moment. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was nice. I, I remember the time you're talking about about yeah. it. it was really nice and it was um but i, I you're, you're so right about that the, the experience of it is such a rush and everybody who's been through it talks about it and and i think people who as they plan their wedding hope, hope for something like it and i certainly felt it where it's the biggest this is your life party you've ever been to and <laughs> and uh it's just non-stop there, there's constant attention and things to do and it, and it does it feels wonderful i found myself saying to pooch this morning you know it's it's I'm going to remember that first. One of the one of the greatest, one of the best days of my life. One of the the greatest things I've ever I've ever experienced. Oh, and... I love it! I love it. And I'll tell you, I had at one. It was funny because the first night at the Sangi, everyone was really getting to know each other, and it was yeah. funny. The families were almost shy. It was <laughs> it was like we were shy as we said hello to one another, and and also greeted each other because many of us hadn't seen each other. Some of Pooja's family was coming from India, and I'm sure they hadn't gotten to see some of the other friends and relatives yet. Yep. So it was kind of like the families kind of were more um, separated. They they were interacting, but not quite as much as on the wedding day. Yep. And I remember meeting Pooja's father, but not really having any kind of com- just kind of like oh yes, I'm the cousin that does the podcast with him, and oh yes, you're Pooja's <laughs> father, and that's lo- that's lovely. Okay, good, nice to meet you. Yes, and then. Um, on the day of the wedding, after the ceremony, we were at the cocktail hour, which is really like a cocktail two and a half hour yep. um, with a lot of food. Should anyone want to know? We we posts were told, pace yourselves, and we didn't. And everyone was so full. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was like dinner again. And we were like, oh, my gosh, and there's more really great food. But I saw Pooja's father from about like 30, 40 feet away, and he gave the broken to this huge smile and he points at me like hey it's you and then he wa- got up and walked right over and embraced me and we had this long conversation and just so much joy we totally talked about you guys having kids in the future like it was just this beautiful conversation and it really felt like we were family now yeah and that I thought was just an amazing difference between the two days that it was like now we are all family yeah 
one of the things I love about that, the multi-day process of it is, and there is so much process to it that, that, um, that, that it ends up drawing you together. There's no way really to avoid does. it. It's not just that, that moment at the cocktail hour where you get the conversation. It's the, the, the two days of getting to know each other that leads up to it. And um, the Sankey being essentially a giant rehearsal dinner that everybody's invited to. So it's also fun. sort of a, a family talent show where there are performances <laughs> for the bride and groom as guests of honor. Yeah. Um, I'll take a little bow. Pooch and I prepared uh, a dance. Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, little uh, soft shoe mimic to cheek to cheek mm-hmm. so that we could participate. And I'll take a bow. I have video of it up until the point that my camera died, but it was ah, really man. cute. So I have, I do have video of that and I want to post it for some of our listeners to be able to see because I think they would love to see you in that performing moment. Nice. On to the wedding. I, wedding day itself. I'm curious. Impressions. I, I've seen just a couple of pictures and what's standing out to me is um, the color. It was hot pink and orange were the two colors of the wedding for the most part, I noticed. And it was incredibly vibrant. And that's what all all of the post side of the family kept saying. I love the color. I love the color. In fact, my mother exclaimed, that's it. I'm done with white wedding dresses. Like, (laughs) that's not the way to celebrate. And I was kind of like, oh, well, okay. (laughs) But... Like, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, mom, like, but. hang on, mom, one more to go, one more to go. <laughs> um, but it was, it was the color. I mean, my own sorry, the photo that's on Twitter doesn't do it justice, but it was the most deep royal shade of navy navy yeah. blue. Um, the auntie that helped me put on, I wish I knew, remembered her name, but the auntie who helped me put on my sari, um, she was in this, I mean, just lusciously fuchsia pink. Um, sorry, with uh, with gold, beautiful gold necklaces draped around her. Um, it it was just everywhere you looked, the colors were so vibrant. And I know that's what we people think of when they think of Indian culture, and especially Bollywood and everything. But to see it and and have it all around you, I think you really f- feel how much it makes a difference yeah. you know it's not a it's not everyone in black cocktail dresses no it's so festive it's and so joyous. it's really it's festive really spectacular is such a great word. yeah um, it was stunning and we are going to don't worry we are going to talk about the ceremonies themselves and get into more detail in the postscript um do you have anything else to add before we we get on with the show or before we we start tackling some of our readers questions i i unfortunately could go on like this for days i, know. And I think we should just cut ourselves short okay. and say there will be time we will <laughs> talk more all right well let's get started on to the show on each and every episode of awesome etiquette even ones right after a wedding we <laughs> take your questions on how to behave our first question today has to do with addressing difficult topics with friends family maybe even co-workers dear lizzie and daniel i enjoy your podcast on my way to work here in Accra, ghana thank you for developing it I have a beautiful daughter who fills me with so much joy. Her father is not in the picture. The short version of the story is this. After a magical two years dating, he simply, literally disappeared from my life soon after the pregnancy. I was baffled for the longest time and could not figure it out. However, soon after I gave birth, I finally learned the truth. Every single thing he had ever told me about his identity was a lie. His family, his education, his parents, his profession... If I had not seen his passport, I would have been right to assume his name, too, was a lie. But I got over that and have forgiven myself. 
Now I am living an amazing, wonderful new life with my daughter. I do not doubt for a second that I am preparing myself for a wonderful new relationship in the future with a wonderful man of good character. This is my question. I work in an international, slightly conservative work environment. I do not owe anyone an explanation about my life, but there are always questions about him, as I often talked about him or mentioned him in conversation. My colleagues assume he is still part of my life, and I often talk about him as if he is, but I feel dishonest and a fraud. I have been trying for the better part of a year to come up with a response that is honest, that does not give away the story of my past, but that shuts the door on curiosity at the same time, without being rude, evasive, or unkind. I love these people I work with, but I also want a response that leaves me dignified and protected from the pettiness of office gossip. These are the ones I have tried that I am still not satisfied with. One, it is complicated. Two, we are well, learning the best ways to be the best possible parents to our daughter. Then it goes, the list is long, but not satisfactory. I would, like to, I would like you to support me in finding a way to talk about transition and nipping these curious questions in the bud with decorum. Best wishes, Enchanted Life. Oh, Enchanted Life. I, I feel for you. That is a really difficult situation. I'm going to be really honest. I'm not sure that there is a way to turn off the curiosity. I, I tend to have realized in my own life that people are always going to talk, and you kind of can't control that. I think that if you're comfortable with stating the truth, that the best way to avoid rumors, which are the kind of talk that I think becomes speculative and um, hurtful, uh, are are to actually say something, you know, to, to tell the truth about what happened. Um, you can find a, sh- a very, sh- like you told us, a very shortened version of the truth. Um, it could even be as simple as, you know, it didn't work out between us, but thank you for caring about me. Um, but I think it's the best way to avoid the negative ru- rumors. Um, you know, people will probably wind up saying something like, oh, did you hear what happened to Enchanted? Can you believe it? He sounded so great. But that's very different from having people um, actually say negative rumors or like, oh, what do you think happened between them? Or I don't know. You know, she talks about him like he's here, but we never see him at any functions or anything. That's the kind of speculation that I think is is really not fun to have about you. And I, I think you just sort of tapped into something there where there, there is some potential trouble. Like th- this person was so deceitful that there, there's a, yeah. a risk that you get drawn into his deception. Yeah. You don't want to become a party to that. You don't, you don't want to be um, complicit in, in that deception. Oh, he's still around. We're trying to be the best parents. Right. You're furthering a deception. That, 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 that makes you an, an, an accomplice. And, yeah. and you want nothing to do with that, would be my, my advice. And it really can boil down to that simple sentence of, he's no longer in the picture, but my daughter and I are very happy. And that it does let people know you're okay. And it's amazing how when... When you deliver someone bad news, but end it with a positive spin of how great you're doing right now, which you clearly are. I mean, you had yeah. such wonderful things to say about your life right now and, and having forgiven yourself for falling in, into a trap with this guy. And that is a very subtle way of letting them know this is done with because I'm over it. I think if they pry further, that's when you can say, I'd rather not talk about it, but I truly am okay, and thank you so much for caring. And then you do exactly what we say. You find another subject to talk about. You know, how how is that report for Mr. So-and-so? Or, hey, what did you do last weekend? It lets them know this conversation is done. I had something to the effect of, he turned out not to be the man I thought he was. Another great line. I prefer not to speak badly about him. 
So let's just say he's no longer a part of our lives, and it's probably better that way. Another great way to go. Uh, just and then, and then you sort of you establish yourself as really taking the high road. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and and it's the truth, but it's also it's the brief truth, which I think is what you want. Enchanted life. I really we are so happy that you and your daughter do have an enchanted life, and we're we're hoping that that next guy of good character is right around the corner, and hopefully this gives you a way to feel both honest. Um, and comfortable sharing what happened. Our next question is um, becoming a bit of a theme lately, I feel like. We're dealing yeah. with, with social media, I think, in about every episode lately. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I have a question involving social media and death. I learned of the death of the parent of one of my friends via a Facebook post her brother made. The friend herself is not on Facebook and has not reached out to tell people of her loss. I want to send her my condolences, and I'm not sure how to do so since I learned the death secondhand. What is the best way for me to tell her that I know about this difficult personal news without her having told me herself? We aren't very close, and she lives far away, but I do want to send her my sympathy in this difficult time. What do you think? I think it's a great question because it does it addresses both um, some of the complications that arrive around social media and some of the difficulties people have about talking about death and offering condolences or sympathy. At the same time, I think it's it's not as tricky as it might seem. Um, in the past, people would often hear about death via an obituary. They would read about it in the newspaper. It wasn't always news that was delivered personally. From my perspective, learning about a death through social media isn't that different than learning about a death through an obituary. I agree. The one major difference is that you don't know that the family has planned the announcement. Right. So just in case this brother has scooped the news, that that the family hasn't had an opportunity to tell everybody in the immediate family or friend group yet, Mm -hmm. you might give yourself a day or two to, to offer the condolence, but I wouldn't wait too long, and I would go ahead and send it. And um, a traditional condolence card or note of sympathy is a great way to contact someone. If you've got a phone number, you could reach them that way. Whatever feels personal and appropriate. This person isn't on Facebook, and I probably wouldn't reach out through Facebook unless that was a medium that was really established in the relationship as the close personal way that I talked to somebody yeah, um, or I, I didn't have another way to reach them. I was going to say, I would only use Facebook if I didn't have an address for them or couldn't yeah. get one. I would even go so far as to say, try reaching out to that brother and asking for an address to send to before you even... I like that idea. You know, because that I, I, this is one of those times where... We all get them. We get the text messages. We get the Facebook posts. I'm so sorry. I actually had a friend of mine reach out to me and say, I just saw your Aunt Sarah's post. I'm so sorry about your family member that passed. Like, And it happens. It, it didn't make me feel awkward at all. It made me feel glad that I, I had one less person to tell and that, you know, they were reaching out on their own. So I and, and you know, to your comment about waiting a day or two, I would even say it's it, condolences come in over a long period of time when when news spreads about a death. So if you are not sure, then it is okay to, to you know, wait a week or two even, because this, this will just happen over the span of time as, as, you know, word spreads. But definitely don't, don't worry about it. People oftentimes get concerned around the death that they're not going to do the right thing or say the right thing, so they don't right. do anything. Right. And don't do that. And it's the time when people need you the most. Yes. And hearing from someone who you haven't heard from from a long time, 
um, can can really be a, a comfort. And in at terms a difficult of time. how to actually say it, you know, she was a little worried about the language saying, you know, I had heard the news through your brother that, you know, or I had just simply heard the news that your your father had passed, your mother had passed. That's perfectly appropriate. You don't have to get into that. It was on Facebook. I think the, the structure of the note, I love your suggestion. You offer your condolences, offer your sympathy. Mm-hmm. It can be as simple as that. If you have a particular remembrance about the, the oh, person that's who such passed a and you want to share it, you're welcome to, yeah. but you don't have to either. Yeah, I think that covers it. And, you know, best of luck to your friend during this difficult time. And, you know, I think you are being a good friend, even though you guys are far apart, um, to reach out to her. We're going to start our next question with a triple negative. To uninvite... Or not to uninvite? That is the question. (laughs) Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I have a sensitive issue that I'm wondering if you could help me navigate. How do I go about uninviting someone from a party or weekend event? Or can I? I have considered a friend a good friend and included her in an invite of five women to celebrate a milestone birthday weekend celebration. I've had to chase her down to get a response, and that does not feel good. The pattern isn't entirely new. Her style of communication is pretty hot and cold. At this point, I am tired of it and increasingly am not interested in having that influence my birthday weekend. I realize I could just let it go and possibly not hear from her. However, that keeps it open-ended to her impulsive decisions. Is there a delicate or diplomatic way for me to uninvite her? All the best, Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer, I feel for you. This is a a tough situation. And, you know, remember, friendships do kind of happen in waves. Sometimes, you know, you're really tight with someone and other times they're going through a hard time or or it's just their behavior changes and it starts to feel awkward. And all of a sudden, someone who really is a good friend isn't such a great friend anymore. Um, That's a good point. I think you can't uninvite her. Personally, I don't think you call someone up. Um, I've I've been through personally some extraordinarily difficult situations with people that I was going to be going on a trip with, and they were not uninvited from the trip. And when it came down to it, the host of the trip just felt like that wasn't something that was appropriate to do in any way, shape, or form. And at the end of the day, I'll tell you, I now agree with their decision. So I'm hoping that I can give you the advice of... Um, don't uninvite her. Um, check in on the RSVP so that hopefully you can get a clear answer from her one way or the other and you can be prepared. Um, but it might turn into she. this might be a weekend where she's hot and not cold and you might wind up with a really great time with her. She might surprise you. And I hope that's the case. If it's not the way that it goes, you have some other friends to help buffer the situation um, and hopefully help encourage her to participate in the weekend and participate positively. Um, so I'm hoping that that's the way your birthday weekend goes. But I, I don't think that you can uninvite her from this. But I do think you should, you know, try to try to check in on her. And either she shows up or she doesn't. I agree a thousand percent. I couldn't agree more. It's almost impossible to recall that invitation. Yeah. Um, the, the only note that I would add is to everybody out there listening, take note that this is the, what the, the failure to respond to an invitation um, Can inspires. Do. Yeah, exactly. It is so frustrating. Yeah. And um, I, I, I feel I feel Jennifer's pain in this yeah. situation because it can feel like, well, if they just can't even give me a solid answer, why would I even be inviting them in the first place? And I, I, I understand that sentiment. And I would remember it if you don't want to feel that way in the future. Maybe you don't extend that invite in the future. But I, I think your advice, Lizzie, is really generous. Um, 
in, in remembering that a whole perspective is really sometimes necessary to maintain friendships over time. It is. It is. It's a, it's a hard thing for sure. But Jennifer, we hope that no matter what, you have a wonderful birthday weekend. Indeed. Our final question today, we're only doing four questions today because we really want to talk about Dan's wedding. <laughs> okay. Begins. Good afternoon, Lizzie and Dan. I absolutely adore your podcast, and it always cheers up my walk home. Among my social group in Britain, baby showers are not de rigueur. Uh, I hope I pronounced that decently. You got it. And gift giving rather occurs at a christening or naming ceremony. I'm now organizing my own baby's christening and would like to address the issue of gift giving. I'm an avid reader and love to share this with my child. I feel that it would be lovely for the guests, my close friends and family, to share their favorite books, perhaps with a personal inscription. I am, however, unsure how to broach this on an invitation. As the invitation is to a christening, there's a religious aspect, and I'm not sure if it's appropriate to include gift talk. Also, as a wider issue, is making a specific gift request rude or inappropriate? Would you suggest I forego my wish that guests give books, or do you have any suggestions of how I could politely express my wish? Many thanks. Niam. So what would you do? I mean, this is, what do you think? <laughs> I think that you really don't include any mention of gifts on the invitation itself. I think so, too. But it's entirely appropriate to, to spread your idea for a theme gift-giving via word of mouth. Um, it is quite common for there to be gift-giving at a christening party, and congratulations Yay, on um, little baby. The, the, new, the new life. <laughs> um, and I've even heard talk about sort of some, some themes around certain christenings and, and christening gifts. I would spread your wishes via word of mouth. I would talk to the very close friends and family that are likely to be in attendance and talk to them just the way you talk to us about how you want to share a passion for books and reading with this child. And um, if if they felt inspired you to join you in that theme, that that's a suggestion that you're making. Um, You can't control other people's gift giving. If they have something in particular that they have in mind, maybe it's something that they give every niece and nephew. Maybe it's something that really has some significance to them. Yep. that they want to communicate. Um, Lizzie Post gave me a wonderful idea for a christening gift. Did and, I really? What did I um, do? I always really appreciated that. <laughs> and um, What was so, the gift? Wait, what was the gift? <laughs> uh, your, your idea was to give a pearl. Oh, the add-a-pearl necklace. Yep, I did that for my goddaughter, year, too. So yeah. that on her 18th birthday, she would have a little strand. <laughs> um, I thought that was brilliant. You know, <laughs> I also think it's one of those things where um, spread word of mouth via your clo- your very close family, like the people that, that someone coming to the christening might ask, you know, hey, what should I bring as a gift or am I supposed to bring a gift to this? Um, so, you know, like your your parents, your siblings, um, uh, your partner's parents and, and his or her siblings. Uh, that way, that way, kind of the, the closest of the inner circle know and then branching out from that, it's kind of just, you know, hope, hopefully word gets out. And like Dan said, if it doesn't, don't worry about it. You just got some other cool gift. <laughs> well, once again, congratulations and good luck with the rest of the party planning. We, we hope it's a smashing and awesome affair. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. 
What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. And I have been so excited whenever I've seen a couple of them come through. I've been forwarding them on to Dan, and it's been really great to hear how you used our advice, how you didn't use our advice, how the situation rectified itself before you got a chance to use the advice. It's just really fun to catch up with you and hear how everything went. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our questions, please feel free to send it in. You can also submit your next question or your first question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We gon' celebrate your party with you. Come on now. I feel like we need I feel like we need Indian music. Like I I was so loving all of the Indian music at this at the whole weekend. It was awesome. You're giving me ideas. We should do like a, some social media links to some some of the great Bollywood oh. wedding movies so because awesome. they're where a lot of the soundtrack comes from. Comes from? Okay, good. Yeah. Let's give our audience a rundown of what we all just went through. So we start out, we we get down to the location of the wedding, the town of the wedding, and we arrive at the Sangeet. Indeed, and as we've, we've sort of teased at the start of the show, it, the, 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 the sort of parallel tradition maybe in the, the Christian or Western tradition is the rehearsal dinner, but this is a, a bigger rehearsal dinner. It Everyone's really is a, an enormous dinner, and there is a, an element to it where there's performance. The bride and the groom sit in a seat of honor, and the families um, present, oftentimes it's dance. There's song and dance, and traditional songs are sung, and just fun songs are sung. Um, and this particular thing was fun because a call went out to both sides of the family. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, Which also it, resulted in some very entertaining acts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we ended up with a, an amalgamum Sangeet that was part talent show, part <laughs> uh, traditional Sangeet experience. Um, and, and it was, it, it turned out to be just a great opportunity for the families to meet. I, I already mentioned the, the, the Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire inspired soft shoe routine done by yes. the bride and groom. Um, I, I'm curious from the audience perspective, what else stood out? Cousin Peter read some, some poetry. And then there was um, the first song that one of the aunties sang was very beautiful. It was, it was pretty much the only song that I felt like was sung in Hindi. And it was her voice was really spectacular and it was very clear. Um, and I felt like it really kicked things off well. There were, of course, the 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 dances by by Pooja's mother in particular, yeah. and um, there was a, a sort of like break dancing done by one of the little boys. Or we got of, a little um, happy, a little happy. That's right, you did, you did. And some break dancing with the little kids. And I used to break dance for the aunts and uncles down in it Florida. Was awesome. and I just loved that. <laughs>
It was awesome. And then from our side of the family, one of the best, and I'm hoping we can convince Dan to let us put it up on the Infinite Guest blog, but his father and his sister-in-law busted out a rendition of Dan's performance singing, what was the song? You're never too late to fall in love from the musical The Boyfriend the, that I right. did in high school. It's never too late to have a fling, for autumn is just as nice as spring, and it's never too late to fall in love. And this was like Dan's first, you know, Dan's mother came out and explained that it was like his first, you know, he had never been interested in theater performance or anything like that, and all of a sudden he has this major part in the school musical. And I have to say, they they had it was the most adorable. Thing. All I can think of is the do 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 that goes, that goes with it. It was so wack-a-doo. cute. Wacka do, wacka do, wacka do, wacka do. It's never too late to flirt and spoon. A fiddle that's old is more in tune. And it's never too late to fall in love. Wacka do, wacka do, wacka do. John and Dan's father and Susan, his sister-in-law, re-performed it in front of everyone, and and John put on this massive beard that like went down to his knees and Suze was in this cute played dress. Played the old man and Suze, my pregnant sister-in-law, played the young the young fling. The young awesome. fling, exactly. And it was a riot listening to them, you know, do this version of singing it or speaking it, singing it. And then they actually played for us Dan's performance and they, they put it up on video and I'm hoping Dan will let us put it up because it is phenomenal. He did a fantastic job and it was so much fun to see him in that performing element and I think it really gave the Gupta family a sense of kind of a little bit of Dan's performance life and where it began and where it originated from because they got to see it in your dancing, you know, when you performed with Pooj and I'm sure that you've shown them pictures over the time that you two have spent together but this was like in action live on stage. (laughs) Like it was so great. Well, and, and sort of a final thing I'll mention from the Sangeet, too. There is a, a member of Pooja's family, a very close cousin, nicknamed Ash, mm-hmm. Ashmani, and um, his lovely wife, Charu, did a sort of a very traditional Sangeet Indian dance performance. Oh, so it was also so appreciated. I know he's a regular listener to this show, and I wanted Yay. to slip in at some point um, uh, a, a real hello to Ash out there, and I, I hope you're listening and enjoying all this wedding talk as much as Lizzie and I are sharing it. It was so much fun. So much fun. And it was great to get to meet Ash at the wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah no, he's an absolute sweetheart. He was so instrumental in helping me find the outfit that I wore that night. Really? Spent a whole day traveling around with me to, wow. to different stores as I was as just familiarizing myself with the style. And so cool. It, it, was, it was just really kind of him. And I appreciated it so much at the time. I appreciate it still now. So the final impression that I want to leave of the Sangeet was um, it was fantastic. The aunties had all gotten up and done this dance, which was they had rehearsed a little bit, but they had, you know, kind of they each kind of like wung it a little bit. It was a little bit off the cuff. And it was really fantastic, really fun, very clever. And about half an hour later, all of a sudden, the uncles, all, all, it was like all of a sudden they were like, hey, we got to represent, we got to represent. And they got up and they all started doing this dancing that wound up getting the entire crowd on the floor dancing with them. And I just thought that I felt like they almost were like competing with the aunties a little bit, like, we can bring down the house with the Sangeet, you know, like it was fantastic. And it was a lot of fun. It was great for me to see how much everyone in Pooja's family and, and her family's extended family and friends 
what great dancers they are. It was unbelievable. They were all so into it. The generosity of spirit is it remarkable. It was huge. It was amazing. It really is spectacular. So that if you ever get a chance to go to a Sangeet, I say definitely go participate have fun it, it was amazing and um and it was it was so much about celebrating you and Pooja that night it was really everything was done in honor of and for the two of you that, you know that that's a good point and it's it's um it's a nice transition because it's it's a bit in contrast in some ways to the ceremony itself yeah the following day which is funny because you'd think that the following day would be more about the two of you, but it's it's really the wedding itself, as you told me on the wedding day, is actually much more about the joining of the families. Absolutely, the sending side of my family, the tradition is you don't marry till you're thirty and you elope, you run off and be a justice <laughs> of the peace. That's what Dan's parents said. <laughs> um, and Pooja and I just decided we couldn't do it. We were too close to our families. The opportunity of really for for having a wedding was yeah. too immediate and and too present for us to. To, to skip out and do something like that. Yeah. And in many ways, we really were thinking of this wedding as a family affair. And I think that was a, a smart approach. I think it's one of the great things about weddings is the opportunity to introduce whole families. Um, well, and boy, did we ever start it off with a big introduction. Yes. The Barat. Indian wedding is the bara, which is the arrival of the groom and his family. Then you parade to the house of the bride. And um, once upon a time, or in some parts of the world, that's from one village to another sometimes. Oftentimes the groom is on an elephant or a horse, if you've seen those pictures, or if you're aware of the tradition, that's often part of the bara. The groom processes with his family to the bride's house, taps on the door, is greeted by the bride's mother. Um, we had our bara planned for two in the afternoon. And as people were arriving for it, the rain came. <laughs> so instead of Barat followed by a little reception, everybody went and took shelter in the tent. Um, and we had a little uh, spontaneous mix and mingle affair. Yes. The Barat reception was moved up and there was a <laughs> quickly passing storm, but it forced everyone sort of together um, very quickly. And but- then it was like clockwork at three o'clock. The sun burst out, the heat came up, the steam got turned on, and it was time for the barat. And a cheer went up. Oh, everyone was excited. It was like, and it was literally exactly as the cell phone hit three. It was nuts. <laughs> um, so we went down, we, we, we organized a quick barat, we paraded up to the house, and we got, by the way... Wait, uh, we did slow down, go back, go back, go back, go back, okay, go back. Go back. <laughs> Give him the real picture of what happened, bub. We drove Uncle Billy's Beamer, right? The spaceship convertible. The spaceship convertible. Tell them what music you had blaring out of the the speaker system. Oh, we started with James Brown, the big payback. Yep. Hey, got got the payback. And uh, we proceeded on to uh, Fish Vegas '96. All spark without Sutra. Some people know it as the theme from 2001. Yep. And I, 
I, I know I mangled the original pronunciation of that. Maybe and one of our listeners can help me. <laughs> but it was, everyone had noisemakers. Little Alexander streamers. was in the car with you. We had streamers. It was much like a New Orleans second line. You know, that's a good, that's a good uh, parallel. Description. Yep. But it was, Dan was was proudly encouraging everyone to, you know, like, you you hoop, you holler, you cheer. The bride's whole family is watching these total non-Indian family coming up. Like, it was, they were very proud of us. It was nice. I feel like we represented with the Bharat for having never done one, never experienced one before. I felt like we did a good job. We, we brought got it. many compliments, and we, we, were, we were greeted with great graciousness by oh, yes, when, mother, Alka, and... When um, she we, welcomed me in. And when we arrived, all the women in the family were handing out roses to all the women in, in our family. Yeah. And that was that was really beautiful part of it. But then and then you marched up the step by the way, Dan, this was this was at a castle. Um, this was a little castle that was built and Dan marched up the steps of the castle to to greet Pooja's mother and father. Rings the bell and knocks on the door. That's with a right, you rang the bell. It was very cool. Some pr- prayers and I get a tika on my forehead yep. and um, And describe to them what a tika is if they don't know. Uh, it's the, 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 the vermilion um the red. dot that is applied to the to the forehead between the eyes. Yep. Um, oftentimes with a little bit of rice as well. And for those wondering, Dan is wearing a tuxedo this day. He chose he chose traditional Western garb for it. Absolutely, and I've been waiting to wear that tuxedo my entire life. <laughs> it felt like a million dollars. I got to tell you. <laughs> and at this point, you still this isn't like when the when the bride gets walked down the aisle and and the bride and groom see each other. This is about the parents. Yes. This this is Pooja is still not seen. We still haven't seen Pooja at this point in the day yet. No, no, she 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 had to figure. She sat in the house while the rain happened, while the barat happened. I know. So next, so next is the ceremony. Off to the ceremony. The ceremony took place in a field on a mundup, and mundup is a little bit if you're familiar with uh, the Jewish ceremony, the huppah. Yep. Um, it's a four-post um, platform with. Silks, yes, adorning it, and it's the ceremonial space that, that the the wedding takes place in. And um, the the ceremony itself was a combination; it was a, a mixed um, Hindu and Christian ceremony. And I wanted to take a little step back in time and to say, as the as the structure of the ceremony came together in the two weeks leading up to the the wedding, the reverend and the priest sort of worked together to find the elements of the, the two ceremonies that supported each other, and they wove back and forth between the Christian and Hindu traditions. Um, and as the, the structure of that ceremony actually came together, uh, I started to feel really confident about the wedding. I started to say to myself, well, if it rains or if the flowers don't arrive or um, if, if we're able to pull off this particular ceremony, I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, LP, from, from your perspective, being inside, it felt very good. Yeah. Two things that that really stood out from my perspective. One, um, and and all of Pooja's aunties and uncles told me as soon as I sat down near them, they said, this is a long ceremony. You can get up and go get food, go get drink, go stretch, go walk around, go talk to somebody else. It w- it was funny how you were kind of encu- it was different how you were encouraged to um, not just sit there and stare at what you two were doing the whole time. Yep. 
which was really kind of different um, and great for those who have children and had to deal with kids who were who were hot and sweaty and wondering what to do and that sort of thing. And it makes it more comfortable being part of the ceremony because you're not worried about all oh, missing something. and they're just sitting there and they're uncomfortable in the heat. It's like, no, if someone's uncomfortable, they can go get a, a cool lemonade. And or, it's fine. Uh, yeah. In the shade. <laughs> that, and that I thought was really cool and very different. Um, in fact, I, I noticed that very few of the posts I the family moved at all during the ceremony. I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to take them up on this. Um, the other thing that I, so the whole ceremony was, for the most part, was in Sanskrit. So I didn't know anything, but a couple things about that stood out to me. One, the speed at which the prayers and words were said was was phenomenal. It, it, it was fascinating. It was almost humorous. And then um, every now and again, he would say, no, pick that up. Or no, now you say om, and it was to hear all of a sudden this beautiful language broken with a very quick instruction to the bridegroom, mother, the bride, father, whoever it was, um, in English about what they were to do, or or no, you need more oil, or oh, oh wait, 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 hold on just a second, like you know, um, it was it added this kind of humorous aspect yeah. to it that I think really kept it lively for those who didn't understand the words that were being said, um, but also I felt like it brought in so much more and I'm not trying to say that the the Hindi ceremony was better than um, a Western ceremony but I felt like it brought in so much more like at one point he broke and said now Puja is their daughter-in-law and and it was like this moment of okay this has now happened like this is now recognized by you know the the gods that we're making prayers to and the um, families that we are we're praying for the support of and the the couple that you know we're we're here supporting this this is now real this part of it and then it's like your turn it's time to make you part of their family and it's it's it was really fascinating that part of it and then you guys did your seven your seven times around was it the fire or is it just the circle there's two different things that happen okay there's the seven passages around the fire yes and then there's also seven steps okay and and they're 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 each they each have slightly different significances the the seven steps for us were um, our version, we uh, interpreted the seven steps as our vows. Okay. Health, strength, wealth, happiness, uh, one for the children, hopefully, oh. <laughs> longevity and companionship. Oh, those so um, nice. But then the, the circling around the fire. Um, it was literally Dan and Pooja were arm in arm uh, with her bridal veil over her walking around the fire and the offerings that were in the center of it. And we get Powered by flower petals and rice. And rice you and get by the brothers. Given, and and I, what this I was, was, was sort of reminding me is that there are roles for many of the family members. Like you, our, our parents are were, on yeah. the end up with us. And there, there are roles that they play. We pass a, a coconut yep. <laughs> from her family to our family. A moment that I had really been waiting for, um, and it's something that happens a lot in, in sort of traditional Indian families and in India where the groom will, as a sign of respect, touch the feet of his in-laws, his, yes. the, the parents of his bride. And it was something that's just so foreign to me, that it's something I'd never done before. And it was something that, particularly the planning of this wedding happened, and Pooja's parents just did so much work. I felt so grateful to them. And I got to a point where I really wanted to do I was looking forward to doing it. Yeah. And where at one point in my life, I'd been like, would I be comfortable doing that? And yeah. I went to do it, and they were like, no, no, don't. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I've like, for about a week now, I've been thinking about this and been wanting to do this. And, yeah. Um, 
anyway, so th- th- there are opportunities for things like that that, are, that really have some significance. and Signs and, of respect and, and gratitude towards yeah. these people that are, are really becoming your family. Um, but the one thing that, you know, I heard the, the priest at the end say, um, I now pronounce them husband and wife, but there was no kiss the bride. Tell me about that. No. There's um, no kiss the bride. Uh, uh, public displays of affection are, 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 are very taboo in some cultures. Wow. <laughs> and my understanding, and because we didn't do this part of it, oftentimes there's a particular part of the ceremony where the bride and the groom get essentially blessed by the parents and they get yeah. a particular permission where kissing is then okay. okay. And we, we actually hadn't hit that part of the ritual yet. You know that when people clink their glasses, that's a, a request that you guys kiss. Is that why you guys didn't kiss on the dance floor? Blissfully, no, I didn't know that. Ah. During Pooja's and my first dance, there was a riot of clinking glasses and people like calling for kiss the bride. I just wasn't quite sure that that was That would be, be appropriate. appropriate, yeah. Right there. Yeah. Any other big standouts from the ceremony that we should we should let them all know about? I mean, lots of things. I could go on and on I and know. on talking. It about It was it, so very beautiful, um, and Pooja looks stunning one of my in her attire. Post ceremony, yeah, um, where I saw my father, and he was talking to a good friend of Kamal's, um, mm-hmm. the, the bride's father, and the bride's father's friend was explaining to my father some of the significance of what had just happened. <laughs> Essentially, what what duties he had just assumed <laughs> as the, the as my father. And he's telling my father, you know, this young man here, me, is really not that important. <laughs> he's a nice accessory to this whole event, but it's really not about him. <laughs> this event is much more about these families coming together, that, that his particular um, spirit could have appeared somewhere else, but these families are, have substance, and yeah. the joining of these families has some real weight. And Pooja had assumed a really awesome responsibility that day, that it was now her duty to help care for, for my entire family. Um, but he's like, you also assumed a very important duty today, talking to my father. He says, it's your job to keep this guy here, pointing to me, in line. <laughs> that he must be a good husband. And it's important that, that you hold him accountable mm. in the same way that Pooja is accountable to you. Um, you're accountable to her, that you are willing to play your role of, of being sure that your son does his duties as her husband. It, it was something my father... I, I saw him sort of register that and look at me, and I appreciated hearing some of that perspective. Well, I think our whole family loves Pooja so much. And I mean, I know I felt it when she and I hugged a number of times throughout the day. I just, I felt, I literally felt the love coming from her heart to my heart. Like it was so there and it was so clear and so palpable um, that I think I can represent our entire family in saying that we are so thrilled to have Pooja a part of our family, to have her looking out for us and to be looking out for her. I I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great place to leave this discussion, which is how incredibly... I thought she was just stunning (laughs) in in every way. I thought she was loving and generous and gracious and... I couldn't be happier to be married to her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Well, with that, should we end this show on an etiquette salute? I I think we should. You think we should? Okay. You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. Cutting in the cutlia, cutting in the cutlia, and the kid. 
Well, each week we like to end our show on a positive note with an etiquette salute, and today's salute begins. This was a few years ago, but it still brings up such warm memories. The house next to ours had been on the market for months, and we heard rumors that someone had finally purchased it. This was confirmed when construction and renovations on the house began. We wondered who our new neighbors would be until one day an envelope arrived in the mail. It was a note from our new neighbors, Jack and Sophie, apologizing for the disturbance from the work crews. We thought this was totally unnecessary, though polite and very courteous. But then we saw enclosed a gift certificate for my husband and me to go out to a local upscale restaurant. Wow. What a nice way to begin what has been a very pleasant relationship since then. I still appreciate Jack and Sophie's kind and thoughtful gesture to this day. Elena. And I thought that was just a nice... Hooray nice, for good neighbors. Yeah, hooray for good neighbors. Exactly. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that, Elena. That is a, a sweet story, and it's a great idea. Anybody out there who's planning a little disturbance in the future m- might be a real opportunity to cement a relationship with someone who, who could be negatively affected. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Well, thanks for sticking with us. That's our slightly longer and very special show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I know I'm going to. (laughs) I bet you're going to. And don't forget, there is no show without you. So send us your questions, especially your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review on facebook we're the emily post institute actually now we're on facebook as awesome etiquette we are indeed and look there for wedding pictures over the coming week i don't have them all yet but we will get some up they will be coming on twitter i'm at lizzie a post and i'm at daniel underscore post or you can visit our soon to be updated website emilypost.com our theme music was composed and performed by bob wagner And our show is produced and edited by the wonderful Hans Buto. 